89.3 FM in KPFB in Berkeley and 88.1 FM KFCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. It is 3.30. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is Tuesday, September the 7th, 2004. Oh, can you take any more, folks? Can you stand any more? Let's see. Let's get serious, Jennifer. Try to do something positive here. There's a movie I'll mention. Ah, those of you who are up for another film about... Our journey, the U.S. citizen's journey into lies, oppression, and corruption. You might try this movie called Liberty Bound. Um, I ran into the filmmaker, and she tells me good things about it. It's at the Unitarian Universalists over on Cedar Street at Benita. You all know the Fellowship Hall there. Cedar and Benita Fellowship Hall in Berkeley. In the five and dime area code eight four one forty eight twenty four. You can always look it up in the phone book, just you know, Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. Okay. The movie's called Liberty Bound. Some ambiguity in that phrase, yes. Journey of discovery into lies, oppression and corruption, which has invaded our country since nine eleven. Well, I would say since Long before that, but 9-11 is, you know, a hook to hang things on. The filmmaker's name is Christine Rose. She will be there at the movie to answer your questions about her quest across America. She is trying to answer questions like, are we losing our civil liberties? Is the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in jeopardy? Do Americans know what the government is doing? How much of the daily news is simply a well-disguised propaganda spin, you know. And what is fascism? And why does that word increasingly appear in the alternative and foreign media when referencing the United States? I remember the last time I got cute and I tried to define fascism. There are, you know, a thousand etymologies and ways. Of course, most people identify it with certain places and times in history. And so when I said that fascist well, let's call it the fascist aesthetic, is simply the triumph of form over content. I got all kinds of furious mail, so I've quit trying to define my terms. I think that gets us into more and more trouble. <laughs> let's face it. 
Somebody, Bill Clinton said that someone asked him uh, whether he thought the Bible was the literal truth or uh, was, um, uh, yes, literally true. A theologist asked him this, and uh, uh, he said that he believed that the the Bible was completely true, but that we and all others before us had lacked the uh, ability, the capacity to fully understand it. Now, uh, <laughs> as usual, Bill is a wordsmith, a very talented wordsmith. He said that at a speech in the Riverside Church just before the Republican Convention, uh, he referred um, smilingly to the coming of all that sweetness and light, yes, what was going to happen at the uh, at the convention. I personally uh, think that uh, that Republican convention is responsible for putting Bill in the hospital, along with um, Teresa Hines Carey, who uh, was hospitalized for some stomach problem, not a life-threatening issue, but uh, obviously being, um, what is it, subjected to all that sweetness and light can make you sick once again. This movie is Thursday night, September the 9th. That's just two days from now, 7 p.m. in the main hall. Liberty Bound is always good to go over to the Unitarians and find out what's happening. The discussion is worth it. Um, let's see now. What has Christine done? She has original footage, archive footage, interviews with uh, Howard Zinn, Michael Parenti, Michael Rupert. This movie explores the State of the Union and its ostensible move towards fascism. Um, she says that uh, the filmmakers talk with people who have been interrogated by the Secret Service, threatened with arrest, for doing such benign things as sending an email, turning around during a Bush speech, or uh, having a philosophical discussion on a train. Uh, we all think of um, Senator Edward Kennedy being asked... Uh, well, they, they tried to keep him off a plane. His, uh, I guess his security clearance wasn't right. I don't know. Maybe people don't know what Senator Kennedy looks like. I, I, uh, I would have thought that, um, he would have no problem. Let's see. Christine also explores unanswered questions surrounding 9-11, examines the U.S. government's reasons for going to war with Afghanistan and Iraq. She also delves into accusations that the Bush administration knew about the 9-11 attacks um, and that their warlike agenda is actually centered on the oil. Finally, she studies elements of previous empires, um, fascist states, Anyway, yes, there's a lot here about historical precedents and earlier empires. You know, the, the ways, the techniques, the, the uh, loss of civil liberties, police brutality, homeland security, etc. I remember Hitler, first thing he did was padlock the birth control clinics. And then uh, his uh, propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, immediately started the, what would we call it, the... Uh, Three-syllable propaganda, yes, just more than three syllables, and the public won't soak it up. But if you can say the same thing over and over and over again, uh, oh, what were, what were the ones? Uh, no new tax, um, read my lips, just say no. But, you know, if you get up to four syllables, then it gets a little bit tricky. Um, 
In any case, Liberty Bound is showing once at 7 o'clock in the main hall at the Unitarian Fellowship Thursday night, this Thursday night. And the filmmaker will be there. Her name is Christine Rose. And we can have a talk when the uh, movie is over. And one thing I wanted to mention in case I don't get to it today, uh, I wanted to read you part of a very long article called Dying in Darfur. It's uh, really uh, an exhaustive study about what's uh, happening in the Sudan. It's by Samantha Power. I keep seeing her on C-SPAN. She's um, a most beautiful young woman, uh, uh, a media star, one of those who is not afraid to speak truth to power, that sort of thing, you know, an honest journalist, reporter at large. It's in the New Yorker for August the 30th, 2004, the August 30th issue, 2004, New Yorker. It's a picture here of refugees in North Darfur. As many as 50,000 Darfurians have been killed and a million and a half displaced by the advances of local Arab militiamen armed by the Sudanese military. And uh, the picture alone is worth picking up the magazine, The New Yorker, right? Uh, somehow all this, you know, gets lost in the morass. It's all just too much to take in, people, too much to swallow. I think you're going to have to just get this and go through it yourselves. It's uh, classic historical, you know, farmers versus nomads, all that good stuff. Um, uh, history, is it, as they say, history does not repeat itself. Only people do over and over and over. Uh, now, let's see. Um, today I wanted to start by talking about the, the so-called black widows. Uh, I'm frightened by the, the rage that's out there uh, until I realized that I have it myself. I was thinking today, uh, you know, how at a loss most of us are to understand what happened in Russia. Uh, we, we cannot understand how a revolutionary movement hoped to achieve something by targeting a school on the first day. You know, doing something that obscene would seem to defeat the purpose. Uh, and then... We think about it again and realize that apparently, uh, at least for some of the women involved, these black widows, uh, this is simply payback or uh, rage, sheer rage, not for uh, freedom. I don't see uh, how, how they can... Well, I guess otherness is something... Uh, what is it? There's a new new list of golden rules, yes. <laughs> Do unto others, yes. Um, uh, if you are an other, here it is, let's see. There's a, it's in the, the new street spirit. They do a whole page in poor Leonard's almanac of spins on that old issue of otherness, you know. Um, and the best one here, what I would call the fundamental one, is by Albert Hubbard. He wrote... Do unto others as though you were the others. Now that, that, that takes it as far as we can go. And, uh, for most people, 
this is not possible. Um, it's just too much, what is it, it's too hard to overcome the pain, the, the anger, the rage. Uh, and so, again, we get separateness. Each generation renews their passionate hatred of others. Uh, the Chechen women terrorists, the one called Black Widows, uh, are beginning to emerge. I'm beginning to see them. I, I remember the first time I thought about this in any depth, I think, um, some years ago, there was a profile of Saddam Hussein, and it included um, background material on his mother, how um, she had uh, raised him to revenge his father. He was a posthumous child, and she handed him over to an uncle who taught him how to be a hitman. Uh, think of Gaddafi's widow, although I did so admire her, but uh, yes, she cursed the Reagan family. How do we deal with this rage, this anger, and uh, can it be turned to a good purpose? Uh, I'm not sure I'm able to accept the notion of women as equal opportunity terrorists, but doesn't matter what I think. Uh, apparently, manhood is the issue. War is the dance of the moment, you know. Uh, war is the dance. I, I looked in my files under rage, and I came up with something by one of our leading feminists, Barbara Moore, M-O-R, and um, she wrote a piece years and years ago called Amazing Rage, which I kept mainly because uh, she's Irish, and I thought perhaps we might have something in common. Uh, <laughs> yes, she's writing, oh, almost 14 years ago, and she's talking about... Uh, what I would call the New Agers. She's talking about a decadent compunction to look good. Uh, I date it from, you know, that, that, that point at which we all tried to be nice again, stop being uh, feminist with our fists in the air, and tried to get back into the mainstream. She writes, um, yes, we had a decadent compunction to look good, she said. Spiritually, physically, culturally, we were to pose pretty, even our goddesses. New age, spiritual guides, even we, spiritual feminists, urged ourselves to image positive smiling, yes, wise, benevolent, graciously non-confrontational ladies, those who succor, shelter, soothe, Goddesses of therapy rather than bitches of politics. Goddesses of personal well-being rather than witches of global change. Because we are all, as the whole doomed world is, alone, scared, in pain, stressed out, terminally obstructed, overdosed, and confused, naturally. It follows we seek the mother of peace, the mother of peace and quiet, not an Amazonian battle-axe hounding us out to fight again. In the midst of patriarchy's metallic noise and violent self-pollution, we consume tapes of our mother's lost, last waterfalls, forest winds, sweet silence. For our goddess, we'd prefer the lovely and aerobic nurturer, Ms. Holistic Healing Sunshine. 
Not that same old bitch wrapped in stinking fragments of bloody moon. But the primal power is hers. Have a footnote here. I remember after reading this article, uh, I sent off what uh, a play that I had written called The Raven of Babel. It was about a uh, stinking bloody old bitch wrapped <laughs> wrapped in rags screaming at the moon and I I got back the the usual letter I think it was from I think it was from the magazine uh it was a crone yes it was a crone magazine and they said no they wanted only positive images of uh, age and anger that sort of thing was not for them uh but yes let's go back to Barbara Moore she says the primal power is hers in my mirror cracked by time and strange choice the face I most favor is the Morrigan, la fay, the fate of Ireland. Yes, uh, yes, the Irish choose wildness as their metaphor. She is my people's black goddess. In pre-Indo-European symbology, black is the color of female power. In those myths, as well as in African and Asian myths, the color of death was white. The power of earth, of night, of the womb. A stern power often, but wholly real. Blackness to the Irish is the mood of necessity. Be it grim, glorious, or otherwise, it is the eventual doom of all things, the inevitable flowering of each thing, as we follow our natures utterly to the end. Endless transformation on the wheel of change. The Gaelic black mood is akin to the Spanish black voice. Yes, the black sound present in all true song. The Irish love this grave darkness of the Morrigan, her fatal necessity, because it has been with us so much and for so long. It is our pagan face, indeed our oldest face. Imagine a moon goddess when almost all the lunations are dark ones. One learns to see, to believe in, the mothering dark, the black uterine cave of the mind. Oh, and there's pages and pages more. Barbara Moore's article on uh, amazing rage. It's quite frightening to think that we are on the dark side of the moon. Yes, this... Raven, for me it is always a, a raven tearing, yes, the collie with her long gray hair falling over her shoulder. Uh, maybe, maybe we will be going into the dark. Uh, oh, that's what they're telling us <laughs> for this election because, yes, uh, girly men, girly men. They're no good, you know, girly men like Jesus Christ and Gandhi and Martin Luther King and all those women and men who work for peace. We're, we're just limp dicks. It's, uh, Bush. He's the walking hard on. Uh, uh, it's all up with us liberals. We are wimps. We don't have the proper, uh, blood in our eye. Somebody once said a liberal is someone who won't take his own side in an argument. I'm wondering if a liberal can win the White House in today's climate of war, of violence. Uh, said Gertrude Stein says, two things are always the same, the dance and war, since the beginning. 
it's ironic that John Kerry, the uh, uh, Democratic candidate for president, has a sterling biography as a warrior. Yes, um, <laughs> whatever does that make, I guess. Uh, he fought in the war like a good uh, patriot, and then he came home and fought against the war like a wise citizen. But George Bush uh, uh, has been characterized now as the man of uh, the man of action, the war president. Uh, when factually speaking, if you look at the record, he's the shirker. Uh, now, how did they pull that off? How do they turn these things around? I think the secret is um, some of the uh, political writers tell us that the bigger the lie the easier it is to believe. They call it, yes, the big lie. Uh, it is so outrageous that somehow it flies. Now, I hear that the Clinton camp um, is sending James Carville to the rescue to try to help uh, John Kerry make sense of all this. Bill Clinton is, of course, in the hospital. Uh, I must send him a, a note. Yes, poor Bill. He, uh, he's recovering from heart bypass Operation, as I said, uh, I'm sure that uh, the Republican convention was responsible for that. Uh, James Carville and his cronies, if they don't kick ass, at least they'll be fun. I had to watch that film Primary Colors again to remember how much fun it was in 92. When we had this moment, this moment when we thought a progressive president could change things until he got in that quagmire of Congress and lobbyists and... You know, it is the country that lurched to the right. Um, what is that politician's joke? Which way are the people headed? I must figure that out so I can get to the head of the march and, and lead them. Uh, the way I see it, uh, I think, it's not just uh, Bill Clinton we need to come to the rescue. It is the nation, the heart of the nation. Uh, I guess uh, the Republicans is the word. Um, someone said, uh, I think it was on the Bill Maher show, that they make you feel good. They have more fun. Yes, do Republicans have more fun? They seem to think that the Democrats were intellectuals, that they showed concern, they said, and that's no fun. The Republicans being completely steeped in denial, being fantasists, they are more appealing. Uh, their conclusion, I guess, is that people like to be lied to. I guess Ronald Reagan proved that, government by anecdote. Tell them an amusing story, cheer them up, make them feel better. That will get you the votes. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, eight weeks, eight weeks we've got, folks. Uh, I'm just overwhelmed by the tsunami of opinions, well, information, so-called disinformation, lies, damn lies and statistics. I am one of those uh, sorry souls who once believed that words, you know, what we wrote and said, could change the world or at least explain it. And, of course, I've got my comeuppance. Um, it seems it's a lot more complicated than that. Words are only a tiny part of the the issue here. I think it's more uh, it is images. And it's also, what is that wonderful phrase, uh, what you see is who you are. See, when I looked at the Republican convention, uh, I saw friendly fascism, and it made my blood run cold. But 
other people seem to think that it was a lot of fun or cheerful, you know, those twin daughters. Uh, in any case, today, the mainstream media is pretty much bought and paid for. They've sold sold up to the power elite. Uh, our journalists are addicted to access. Uh, don't buck the system. <laughs> if you want, yeah, if you want a piece of the pie, don't rock the boat if you want to ride on it. Lose your career if you talk back. You know, the muckrakers are considered outsiders, dismissed as conspiracy theorists, you know. Remember what happened to Scott Ritter? Uh, I guess uh, the media failures, I think they rank up there with the intelligence failures as dangers, dangers to the nation, to us, to citizens. These journalists are just part of the package going along to get along. They belong to the establishment. The interesting thing that has happened is that individual writers uh, have decided that rather than oblige the oligarchy wherever possible and become courtiers, uh, they are going to break away. Uh, now, mostly these are authors who can afford to buck the system. That is, they already have some status. They have some, uh, maybe some money in the bank, you know, and they can speak as individuals. The books are coming off the press faster than you can count them. Uh, I have 25 on my list, uh, you know, all about the current administration and all the threads leading up to uh, the right-wing reality that's uh, today's world. Now, some of these books get reviewed in the mass media. They they, they surface here and there. Um, they get through um, if they're... If they're shocking enough, there's resistance to them. And thank God for C-SPAN, although apparently C-SPAN reaches only a small fraction of TV audiences. Uh, the film documentaries are getting through. Michael Moore proved it can happen. He's going to ask for the Oscar, for Oscar for Best Picture, not Oscar for Best Documentary Picture. Now, that would be a first. Michael Moore proved that political satire can become popular entertainment. You can reach a mass of people. Now, you know, television has uh, extended itself, and uh, we have seen what McNamara's monumental mea culpa on Vietnam. There's a new one out titled The Hunting of the President that I recommend. It's about the vast right-wing conspiracy that hounded Bill Clinton for two terms. Uh, anyway, uh, check um, always. The New Yorker has my favorite reviews, but there are plenty of reviews. Uh, let's see. There's the Bob Woodward book. There's John Dean's book. My big book is Henry Kertzberg's Politics. That goes back to 1966 to show you how we got here, folks. Maybe I can get copies of that for the next marathon. Henry Kertzberg's Politics. like that one. Amy Goodman's got a book out. You might want to check Clinton's My Life, his biography. Uh, Mark Green's What We Stand For. Craig Unger's House of Bush, House of Sword. You know, that's the one about how the Saudis bailed out the uh, uh, Bush dynasty. Ah, uh, Joseph Wilson's The Politics of Truth, Inside the Lies That Led to War and Betrayed My Wife's... Oh, you remember the one. Uh, his wife's uh, intelligence status was leaked. Uh, 
Ah, what he did not find in Africa. Okay, Sidney Blumenthal's book. Uh, it's called The Clinton Wars. I like that one especially. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Paul Krugman, the economist in the New York Times recently, here with Larry Bensky. They had a terrific evening. His book is called The Great Unraveling, Losing Our Way in the New Century. That's for serious economists. Uh, Time to get off the air, folks. Get your money. Do what you can, where you can. And remember, love is all there's time for. Till Thursday morning at 8.20, this has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. From the ones who walk in light, light them up. Boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. On September 11th, award-winning actor Sherry Glazier and choreographer Thais Mazur present Remember This, intimate portrayals of war through the eyes of women. A riveting, funny, and intense performance of women's stories worldwide who have survived the ravages of war. September 11th and 12th, 8 p.m. at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco. For more information, call 415-273-4633. That's 273-4633. This is a benefit for Dance Mission Theater. And you're tuned to 94.1 FM KPFA in Berkeley, also 88.1 FM KFCF in Fresno, and Radio X in Seattle. Stay tuned for Hard Knock Radio. One, two, three.